edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that believes the best laid plans of mice, men, and governors oft go astray. Hello, everyone. I'm Andrew Halcrow, your host for this precocious podcast. With me, as always, is my main man, my chief collaborator, and my podcast co-host with the most, Van Sanders. Van, what is the good word? Yeah. All right. Well, you just got to keep on keeping on. Or as we said in the 1970s, you got to keep on trucking. Ah, the 70s. The keep on trucking guy in peaches. What a time to be alive. Hey, look, Van, I've been thinking, and you know what happens when I think, we should do like a film noir podcast, play some noir type music in the background, do the whole Sam Spade thing, right? I could dial up like a really cheap 50s noir type detective voice. We could do the entire show in character, right? It was a Friday night, another long day in the clerk's office. A tall, frantic man burst into my office. I jumped to my feet, jammed my Roscoe in his button and said, Stop right there, you mug, or I start squirting metal. Said his name was Dunleavy. Said he was behind the eight ball. One of his flunkies lost a paper worth a lot of cheddar. Four billion worth of cheddar, baby. But then the flim flammer jumped in the fliver and faded while lawmakers made a clean sneak. Hey, anything is possible on this podcast. All right, moving on. I'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. Today on With All Due Respect, we serve up a podcast of politics and entertainment. In politics, we talk about one of the most comical errors in Alaska's political history and how it might have just saved your future dividends. We also talk about U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski's 2022 re-election campaign and her political opponent, Kelly Shibaka, whose presence in this race was planned three years and $81,000 ago. In entertainment, the New York Times has released a list of top 21 sitcoms so far during the 21st century. Van and I have both reviewed the list and determined it was riddled with errors. So instead, we will share our top three picks from the eyes of a millennial and a boomer. And finally, in closing comments, we launch our first part of our three-part series where we ask local journalists to share their craziest moments of the 2021 legislative session. So let's get this started doing what we do. Yo, Van, hit me with some of that funky stuff. Politics. And now, for some politics. This past week, Alaskans had a front row seat to one of the most consequential political mistakes in recent history. At the end of the day, that mistake might have just saved Alaska's future $4 billion and quite possibly saved the Permanent Fund Dividend Program. Last week, Governor Mike Dunleavy announced to God and country that he was going to veto a $4 billion deposit into the permanent fund corpus. The $4 billion deposit had been proposed, approved, and passed by the legislature. Now, 
the legislature had sought to deposit the money into the permanent fund corpus to keep it from being spent by Governor Dunleavy. By depositing the $4 billion in the corpus of the fund, it not only protects it from being spent, but it also adds to the principle of the fund, which generates the cash that helps pay for future government. Governor Dunleavy vetoed the deposit because he wanted to keep the $4 billion on the table to spend. As we've talked about in length before on this podcast, the governor and his dozen conservative Republicans are demanding a higher dividend this year that would create deficits of $1 billion for nine years. So in order to pay for that higher dividend, Governor Dunleavy vetoed the $4 billion to keep the cash on the table. He and conservative lawmakers wanted to be able to point to that $4 billion and say, see, we have the money to pay a higher dividend right there on that table. So, Governor Mike Dunleavy announced the veto of the $4 billion deposit into the permanent fund corpus. However, a funny thing happened on the way to the clerk's office. Somewhere between his press conference when he said he was going to veto the $4 billion and the signed, sealed, and delivered copy to the clerk, the $4 billion didn't get vetoed. Now, it's not uncommon for there to be small drafting errors, typographical mistakes, which are usually corrected without a fuss. But this was an entire section, an entire standalone section. This was a major faux pas. Ladies and gentlemen, there are no takebacks once you hand in your assignment. This $4 billion era is a gift to future Alaskans. When Governor Dunleavy realized the mistake, he immediately wrote a letter to Speaker of the House Louise Stoops asking for a takeback. I mean, I have to stop right here. Can you just imagine having the nerve to write that letter after you've been complicit at keeping lawmakers in Juneau for most of this summer, and then you vetoed their per diem as they racked up hotel bills for the session during peak tourist season? But now you're going to ask them for a favor. I mean, seriously, how does a letter like that even start? Hey, Louise, how's it going? How's your summer? Oh, girl, I hear you. Hey, look, a little confusion over this four billion. So, Speaker Stutes responded by immediately gathering majority members to discuss the request. Unfortunately, nobody could hear the governor's pleas because the entire majority caucus was dancing in the hallways as the sounds of cool in the gangs celebrate boomed throughout the building. Celebrate good times. Come on. Now, before we move to the implications of this screw-up by the G-Man's crew, I have to stop and wonder who... Who in the governor's office had to deliver the bad news to Governor Dunleavy? Who had to tell Governor Dunleavy that his $4 billion veto, his $4 billion ace in the hole, his $4 billion leverage was just dealt back to the legislature? You know, one of the reasons The Godfather is so beloved is because there is a lesson in every scene. One of my favorite scenes is immediately after Sonny's death. Tom Hagen is sitting in Don Corleone's office lights dim, tie loosened around his neck, emotionally and physically drained, drinking a glass of scotch. And then in walks Corleone, sits down at the desk and says, I see the police coming to my house. I see people coming and going. I hear my wife crying upstairs. And I get the feeling my consigliere isn't telling me something. And Hagen replies, I was going to come up and tell you, but I needed a drink first. Then Corleone picks up the glass of scotch off the desk, takes his slow drink, and sets the glass back down, and says to Hagen, and now you've had your drink. Ladies and gentlemen, I could hear Governor Mike Dunleavy sounding like a worn-out Don Corleone last Friday. I see Jeff Landfield's post on social media. I see my communications team running around with their hair on fire. 
I hear State Senator Bert Stedman dancing in the street, and I get the feeling that my chief of staff isn't telling me something. So what does this all mean? This means that when the legislature meets again for special session in August, there will be $4 billion less on the table. That $4 billion was arguably the biggest chip that the governor had to leverage any kind of a higher dividend. So, instead of accepting the initial dividend passed by a majority that would have paid a cool $1,100, House Minority Republicans rolled the dice, settling for $525, which the governor vetoed to zero. From $1,100 to zero. Now, they have zero dividend and zero leverage. Allow me to repeat this. Conservative Republicans who drove the state to within days of a government shutdown by demanding a $2,300 dividend now have a zero dividend and zero leverage thanks to Governor Dunleavy. To quote the great Happy Gilmore, talk about your all-time backfires. The absence of the $4 billion dramatically shifts the conversation. And while the House still needs to find 30 votes to fully fund the remainder of the budget, it now becomes a conversation about living up to commitments that have been made like scholarships for college-bound students and rural Alaska energy relief, instead of it being a conversation about how there's $4 billion on the table to fund the governor's political extortion racket. This fortunate mistake, while just another example of Dunleavy's incompetence over the last three years, it's an error that future generations will be thankful for. All right, switching gears to federal politics. U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski is up for re-election in November of 2022, and she has already drawn an opponent. Kelly Shibaka, a former Dunleavy administration commissioner who worked just long enough to get her moving expenses reimbursed by taxpayers of $81,000. Seriously, one of my favorite movies is Mary Poppins. Can you imagine the completely different vibe of the movie if in the first scene, after flying in from yonder and unpacking her carpet bag, Mary Poppins hands the Banks family a bill for $81,000 in moving expenses and then quits a few days later? later. That's pretty much the opening scene of Kelly Shabaka. Look, there isn't any doubt in my mind that Shabaka moved back to Alaska after Dunleavy got elected in 2018, sensing a Trump tide change. Early on, it's clear to see Shabaka is adored by the far right, and conservatives are even willing to take her husband along for the ride. First, Dunleavy created a job for him in his administration when the couple arrived, and now Mayor Bronson has found a place for him in his administration. Meanwhile, Shabaka's supporters have already begun the wishful thinking pieces. So far, her main criticism, Murkowski, is that she's not liked by Trump and that she's not committed enough to resource development. Of course, even though Lisa Murkowski has been a resource development warrior and she is a senior member on the Senate Energy and Resources Committee. Even Republican Party hacks have begun trying to question Lisa's street cred on development. Last week, a former GOP official penned a piece on how her opposition to Pebble Mine could lose her Republican votes. 60% of Alaskans agree with her on that issue, including 80% who live in Bristol Bay. There is zero political liability on this issue. During the next year, we can all look forward to more dreamy-eyed opinion pieces that will try and frame Lisa Murkowski in various ways. But when U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski's commitment to Alaska is questioned by her opponent, let's all remember, Kelly Shabaka is only here because she sensed a political opportunity back in the haughty Trump days of 2018, when she was living and working in Washington, D.C. Her move to Alaska was paid for by taxpayers. Her husband's move to Alaska was paid for by taxpayers. Her job was paid for by taxpayers. Her husband's job was paid for by taxpayers. And now, Alaska conservatives are hoping to sell her to Alaskans, expensive carpet bag and all. And now, entertainment. 
All right, let's talk some entertainment. Last week, the New York Times released its top 21 sitcoms this far during the 21st century. Van and I have thoroughly reviewed the list and found it wanting. So Van and I are prepared to throw the list out the window and offer our top three picks and why. Since I went first last book review, I offer the floor to Mr. Sanders. All right, Andrew, here we go. You mentioned a few episodes ago that you weren't much of a big Lebowski guy. I think that to the same degree, I'm not much of a TV guy. With that said, be ready to scoff and dismiss what I have to say here. I'll name my favorite sitcoms of this century in ascending order. Number three is not a sitcom, Chopped. That's right, it's mindless, droning, formulaic. For me, Chopped was a pacifier after work while eating dinner and having a drink. All it required of me was to not think and somehow still be engaged, and it worked. Number two, Trailer Park Boys. If you grew up in low-income Alaska like I did, even though this show is set in Canada, there's something totally amazingly familiar about it, albeit in a caricatured way, though that veil is thin at times. I can't count how many times I rewound and replayed a 5 or 10 second clip of Bobandy or some Rickyism, piss jugs, cheeseburgers, and endless schemes and hijinks all laced with love and camaraderie. It was so damn good. And number one, Curb Your Enthusiasm. As a devout Seinfeld fan, I was skeptical when Curb first came out. And I actually, I didn't watch it for years. Uh, it just didn't feel right. But wow, once I fell into it and got the rhythm, this show is pure genius. Mr. David finally got to put his full comedic genius on display. It really is just a perfect show, full of bitingly witty and frank observations and absurd antics uh, that are supported by some incredible improv. I have to say, despite loving Larry's character, the character I can't get enough of is Leon. He's just on point and hilarious. It's just, it's perfect. I can't get enough. Anyway, that's my list. Love it or leave it. How about you, Andrew? Out of the New York Times list, there was only one show in the bunch that would have been on my top three list, but it's the biggest. My number three on the list of top sitcoms so far in the 21st century, an HBO series called Veep. The series aired from 2012 to 2019 and stars Julia Louise Dreyfus about a fictional vice president, her failing but loyal staff, and an endless supply of diplomatic gaffes. My number two on the list, an HBO series called Bored to Death. The series aired from 2009 to 2011 and stars Ted Danson and Jason Schwartzman about a big-time New York City magazine publisher and a writer who has a side hustle as a private detective and their unlikely codependency on each other. It also stars Zach Galifianakis as Schwartzman's longtime friend. And the number one sitcom, as far as Andrew Halkrow is concerned, so far of the 21st century, is a Fox Netflix production called Arrested Development. The series ran five series split between Fox and Netflix, stars Jason Bateman and a notable cast. It's the story of the Bluth family and their untimely fall from grace after the family patriarch is arrested on suspicion of building houses for Saddam Hussein and the family is forced to move into one of the company's model homes. The individual characters are so well-developed. This is one of the only sitcoms I've ever seen where every actor in the family, and there are six of them, are so perfectly woven and so perfectly created. 
Just how much did I love this series? I love this show so much I named my dog George Michael, as in George Michael Bluth. Last week, I introduced you to three independent Alaska journalists, and this week, we begin a three-podcast feature where we ask each of them to share with us their craziest moment of this past legislative session. Our first share is from Matt Buxton, who writes a political newsletter called The Midnight Sun Memo, which is published every day of the week with extra insight and analysis. When asked what the craziest thing he saw during this past legislative session, Buxton says, quote, if there's one single craziest moment, it had to be the final days of the second special session where it really looked like we were headed for a government shutdown, that Dunleavy and his allies would be willing to play chicken with the health of Alaska to get a bigger PFD and the whole list of other things was really crazy, close quote. Well, I think most Alaskans would agree with Matt. And there is the music, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what that means. Please remember our podcasts are new every Monday and Thursday. You can subscribe to them on all major platforms. And please support local journalism. A digital subscription to the Anchorage Daily News costs just $60 per year. Think about that. That's less than 20 cents a day, which is less than what a daily newspaper costs in 1970 when we were all enamored by the keep on trucking dude. Van, how about throwing us those website details? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, that's A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com, you can see a little bit more about what I do and uh, touch base with me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our time, and we thank you for yours.